Welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast. So glad all of you are joining us as we're recording live here in Austin, Texas. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, our Love One Another series, what we're doing at Wells Branch Community Church. I'm Pastor Plex, and I have just to my right here, Super Trooper Nicole Troop. How are you, Nicole? I'm good. And Muhammad Ali, the original, formerly Cassius Clay, is now with us. Actually, he's not formerly Cassius Clay. He's just the original Muhammad Ali. So glad that you're here, Mon. You. And then also we have Jordan Smith. Howdy. You know, he is our live stream producer. And and without that, you would probably not know all the greatness that comes across the airwaves and the internet. Yeah, I help with these podcasts too when I'm not on them. That's right. So we're so grateful for that. So I, I want to talk real quick. We went through the book of Philemon, which is sort of, I, I think that was Mo's idea. Wasn't it your idea? Maybe. Yeah, great I, idea, Mo. It was a great idea. <laughs> Mo, Mo kind of came up with it. We were, we were wrestling with how do we, because we, we really were starting the series from Romans 12, I think verses 9 through 13. It was, was kind of like outdo one another or love one another, outdo one another in showing honor, uh, you know, bless those who persecute you, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, show hosp- hospitality, all that. And so we were like, what could really be something that would be showing honor? And we came up with Philema. A book that no one has ever heard of. Right. Nobody knew what that book was. In fact, I think Philemon was quoted several times uh, in this past week as I have some people that uh, were reading. It was pretty funny. I think it's Old Testament too. Yeah. Oh, it got Old Testament. It was in the Old (laughs) Testament. It was fun. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with Philemon, I think it's after Titus and before Hebrews. And it was just like a fun book to get into. And it we're talking about Philemon in that Paul honors... Philemon, who is a slave owner back in, you know, the first century AD. And then Philemon has to honor uh, Onesimus with setting him free is what Paul asks him to do. And then Onesimus has to honor Paul in going. And like, just imagine like you ran away from slavery for a reason, which was penalty of death type stuff. And you're like, no, head on back. So there's a lot of like submitting to, you know, Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's not just in marriage, although that's a great place for it, but it's also in Christianity. And so here you see that really clearly. And so Mo, uh, Pastor Mo, talk to me just when you, when you read this letter, what are some things that stick out to you uh, in terms of honoring one another uh, in those like relationship dynamics? Yeah, I think it's very countercultural. Uh, I think today we kind of get lost in this idea of liberty and freedom and being able to do whatever it is that you want to mm-hmm. do. Um, and obviously slavery as an evil institution. Right. But that is in the 21st century. Right. So for anybody at that time to say that, hey, uh, you deserve or not deserve, but ask your master to set you free, to free you. And then f- after you ran away, <laughs> and then for you to come back and to serve me is preposterous. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, first century slavery for a second. Uh, like, I don't know, this is where I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, how, how familiar with you are you first century slavery? Pretty, Pretty good. Yeah. yeah, so talk to us a little bit about first century slavery. Uh, what was it like to be a slave and how did you become a slave? Yeah, I mean, it's you mentioned it in the sermon uh, and when we were going through it, it's it wasn't ethnic. Right. It was based on class. 
Uh, it was for a period of time. And even in the Old Testament, you had laws for how to treat slaves. Right. And it was always uh, with the intention, with the goal of freedom, whether in right. seven years or the Jubilee right. in a long time when right. everybody gets set free. And the whole purpose, yeah. in, in, within the Old Testament, you were always to honor the Imago Dei within every person, right. which is right. the image. They're, they're still imagers of God, yeah. even if they uh, were slaves. Yes. But that, I think that... I think for some people, like when I talked about slavery and I said, we're not going to get into, you know, antebellum slavery here yeah. in America. And I could just feel people rifting like, why not? That's the whole, you know, we got sure, to sure. Uh, but I, but I think that it's, it's bigger than that because I think when you talk about kingdom of heaven perspective, I think this is what's hard for people. And maybe you guys could, could t- chime into this. It's so above the culture. And yeah. I know that's, that's sort of a, a wild thing to think about. It's like, what we're trying to do is bring heaven to earth, right? So your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we're doing is we're saying like, we want to live as ambassadors for the kingdom of God, not to try and change institutions, although institutions will change when as we change hearts yeah. as a byproduct. Yeah. So um, I think we, we touched on that. You could get into, in that day and age, slavery would happen through war. Uh, slavery would happen through, you could sell yourself into slavery um, if you wanted to pay off some debt. So it was, which is, I would think, a wild thought. But like, if you're like on the verge of being homeless, or yeah. you're, you're like, let's see. And here's the other thing: whenever uh, Rome conquered uh, nations or peoples, they would make them slaves, and it actually created mob rule. So one of the things that I've just, you know, in my spare time of reading about first century Rome, <laughs> I actually did read about this, uh, is that they would have five hundred thousand. They make like they take five hundred thousand slaves at a time, and they make them agrarian slaves. Now it wasn't race based, but they did many much of the same work that antebellum slavery in America, uh, African American slavery happened in the U.S. And what they would do is they put um, small farmers out of business. So it was like literally like the government uh, putting small businesses out of business uh, to consolidate more power when that created sort of a mob mentality and then sort of created a, a, like a riot thing. So slavery, any, any form of slavery is ultimately going to end up for the worst for the culture if you kind of go at it as a large, grandiose uh, way of sort of cons- consolidating power because it's going to create enemies for you yeah. no matter what. So I, I think that's... Not only is slavery bad because it, it it really deteriorates and mars the image of God in a person, yeah. uh, however, but it's also bad economically. Sure. Uh, in in the longer yeah. now, not I don't we don't sure. need to jump on that yeah, yeah. grenade anymore. But <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so going back to that, uh, Nicole, anything that stuck out to you uh, from Philemon of just uh, of this asking for Philemon to release uh, to set free a slave? What what stuck out to you in that? The fact that you use this book at all stuck out stuck out to me. <laughs> like, it, like it's a book that, like, I was like, "Are you saying Philippians wrong?" Like, that was my like my. <laughs> I was like, "Are you sure this is a book of the Bible, Chris?" And it's like one of those. It's like one chapter. It's like one page, and like you wouldn't know it's there because it gets stuck between like two bigger books or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you even use this, and I'll be honest, like when we were in preaching practice or preaching planning with this, I yeah. was like, I, "How are you going to make this about loving people?" <laughs> and you did, but like it, it was actually there. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I just, I guess, the whole thing stuck out to me. Like I don't. <sighs> Paul does crazy stuff all the time. So the fact that he was like sending back a slave, it like m- like morally makes sense. Like you're not just going to like 
steal somebody's slave and be like, you're free now or whatever. Like, yeah, like, like more. Because you still have sense. a governmental responsibility right, under the like, government authorities and all exactly. that. Exactly. And even that's if like it's 100% Paul. dark. And also, it just. But like, Paul knew, Paul knew Philemon. Right. Like, he wasn't, he wasn't sending Onesimus back to someone who wasn't a believer or something like that. Right. So I think Paul, in some sense, probably had some faith that Philemon would respond positively mm-hmm. to this. Mm-hmm. But like the part that really got me was the part that you pointed out where like Paul asked, mm-hmm. he didn't command, command yeah. which is also like so not Paul. <laughs> <laughs> like Paul, Paul's letters in other places are just like rife with like, conviction and commandments and like, or, you know, encouragements. Like he goes the other way sometimes too, but like most of it is like really, really like convicting Mm -hmm. and like, why are you doing this? This is, stop it. You know, stop, stop this. This is, this is the, (laughs) you know, this is what Jesus said and you're not following what Jesus said, but like he really does like appeal to Philemon's character. And in that way, like you were saying, honors, him. He does. What about you, Jordan? Anything stick out for you that just sort of like you got sort of excited about or just was like, that was odd. Anything that stick out, stick out to you? Yeah, I think for me, the thing that stood out mostly is just, um, I think you said Onesimus means useless, right? Useful, which useful. is sort of weird. And he says okay. that one. Like, in the past, he was useless to you, but now he's useful and it's Onesimus. Which is right. So I'm thinking of Philemon, you know, he loses his slave. Like, I don't know how long he was gone, but mm-hmm just trying to put myself in that situation, I'd be really pissed off, right? Like, <laughs> and that uh, he comes back um, and Paul says, you know, this probably all happened for a reason because now he's going to be your brother and useful to you. And just reminds me of, you know, Romans 8.28 of where, you know, all bad things work for the good of those who love God. Yeah. Or all things, I should say, work. But uh, just that, you know, in that situation, I try to put myself in Philemon's shoes and like, I'd be really pissed off for a while until, you know, later down the road, you're like, oh, so this is kind of why that happened. And, you know, see more of God's plan unraveling in real time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he became uh, a pastor um, and a really a great pastor. In fact, some say he was a pastor of the Ephesian church, but he, there's, you know, in, in Turkey, modern day Turkey or Galatia at that time, he, he really had a lot of influence and. uh, Philemon or. Sorry, Onesimus. 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 Okay. So you, you imagine that you you never know what doing the right thing is going to accomplish in in spurring on the gospel going forward. And, and I think that's what really happened with uh, Onesimus being a church leader back in the day. Okay, so I, I do want to get to the questions that we had from uh, this, this week. And so I'll start with, anybody wants to jump in on this, uh, feel free. Are we all really going to get a crown in heaven? So I mentioned like, it was a just off the cuff comment. Like, God honors, even God honors us. The, the ultimate creator who is above all things is so unbelievable. He stoops to honor us, which is wild in a, in a couple of ways. Well, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And then so he even gives us a crown, which is, I thought, sort of an, an odd thing, which one, of course, we'll, we'll throw down. Uh, but the question then comes, aren't, all the four, aren't the four crowns all ones to be earned? Meaning... I don't think any of us are guaranteed to get any one or more. Anyone want to say anything about that before I dive into some of the thoughts? What 
crowns. Crown him. That's the wrong song. Is he That's referring, Diana, or is this person referring to? Okay, so there's five crowns, actually. There's the imperishable crown. That's First uh, Corinthians 9. There's the crown of rejoicing in First Thessalonians 2. There's a crown of righteousness in Second Timothy 4. There's a crown of glory in First Peter 5. And there's a crown of life. So all of these... My interpretation seems to be for all people. So uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 25. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one who receives a prize, uh, but only one receives a prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it, meaning this is a general all. He's writing to the Corinthian church. And everyone who competes for the prizes uh, can be disciplined in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. So I, I look at that and I'm like, that's a, we are going for the imperishable crown sure. to which someone might say, well, can they not get it? Doesn't sound like, it, it sounds like it's synonymous with salvation. It, that's yeah. what I think of it, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and, and I think, uh, I think the crown of rejoicing for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? And he's speaking about that, the very thing that he's excited about was these people yeah. were were his crown of rejoicing. So this is like a metaphorical it, it, crown. It, it's a it's a crown, but I I could kind of see it as like, hey, way to go. Instead of notches in the belt buckle, you get a crown. I, okay. But the Probably okay. Not. But I, I thought that's that's fun. Well, yeah. you're not laughing with me. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, I there are lots of like <laughs> Mo's face is the toughest one to read. Here's Mo when he's happy. No, nah, you're right. Here's Mo when he's sad. <laughs> And only if he gives you a ha 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 laugh that you're sort of like, is that condescending right now? I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that I think that might have been more metaphorical. Um, but it yeah. reminds me a lot of like other things, in, you know, like like wisdom is is a treasure in proverbs, right. you know, and like like salvation is the great reward, and like storing your treasure in heaven, and it like that's kind of the ring that it has to me. No, like, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay, so that, that one may not be an actual. Tiara, it would probably. Are do. you saying you think all people receive all of these crowns? Yeah, I do. So, <clears throat> so that one was only for him specifically because it was actually the people that were his crown. So, you know that. All right. So, in in Second Timothy four, there's laid up a crown for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also the, all those who have loved His appearing. That's yeah, every Christian. That sounds yeah. to me like salvation. Yeah. So that again, that's why I'm like he's. He's honoring us with the crown because that's what, anyway, so the crown of glory. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Uh, he's addressing the elders, uh, but I feel like. Sounds like you'll get a crown when Jesus comes. Yeah. I mean, he's addressing the elders, meaning like the elders of the, the church he was writing to. Um, but to me, I feel like that's another salvation one. Uh, the crown of life, uh, Revelation 2.10, do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil's about to get to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you have tribulation 10 days, but be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. This crown is, could this one, you could say, well, that's for, because this was written to a specific church about to go through perse- persecution. Uh, but uh, I think it's for those who endure sufferings Bravely confront persecution, even the point of death. I, I don't know that one. I'd say maybe that one's more for our martyrs, but yeah, still even that one. I you could probably go it's for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, and, and then you've got James one twelve. Uh, what is James one twelve? 
That is, bless the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So I feel like that's a... Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's why I went with the it's an everybody thing, because I feel like it's an everybody thing. You're going to get a crown. God wants to honor you. Yeah. Honor people. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. All right. When, here's the next question. When Paul writing, was Paul writing this from prison, and was it like a house arrest type setup where he had servants and things like that? Um, Pastor Mo, do you want to take that one? On, on when he wrote the, the, it's called the prison epistles, which is Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Okay. Uh, he was, he was in prison for the, some of the pastoral ones too, right? He, that's where he was like in a jail, jail cell that was really awful for this one. Yeah. He's about to die on yeah. this one. It's more like house arrest. Gotcha. And on, on that one, it's, I like, uh, they put, you have servants thing. Well, you don't actually have, like, they don't give you servants in your house. It's like, you get to stay in a house. You're chained up to a Roman guard. You can't leave, but people can come and go to serve you. Cause it's not like you can go get a job or you, you're, you have to have like work from the internet. Uh, <laughs> why was he put on that sort of house arrest rather than in jail? That is a great question. Is the house arrest like earlier in his life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I don't okay. think that, so you know, hadn't we hadn't had Rome burned. Yet. Rome hadn't burned down and blamed Christians yet. So this was probably a relatively new religious thing. It's, it's probably like what happens when you go out on bail. Hey, don't leave the city. Don't leave the country. In fact, we're gonna put this Roman soldier on you. Don't leave. And Paul was also a Roman citizen, wasn't he? He was. And yeah. so you get Maybe special treatment, which is like a big deal. It's like, you don't just get put in, you know, gen pop when you're a Roman citizen. Wow. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so great question. Okay, then uh, last one. You spoke about my sacrifice for their benefit. I totally get, I totally get that. And try every time the person is near, meaning the person that, I guess that is near to them. Yet, isn't there a fine line between that and boundaries? We're not God, and eventually you break because you're not a doormat, and you have to stand up for yourself because those people you try to give the benefit to continually treat you poorly, even though we strive to be and live like Christ. When is enough enough while still showing love? This is a great question. This I mean, is this is question. like <laughs> this is like Peter asking Jesus, "Should yeah, I, I forgive him?" Seven times? Like, that's a seven lot. Seven times? Like, yeah. I mean, and then Jesus says... 70 times seven. 70 times seven. And he's like, oh, so 490. Got <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but what about if they're... What if they're not a believer? Well, uh, that's a great question. I don't think it's conditional. Yeah. On, I think trust is should be with wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. But forgiveness, love, honor... I think that's unconditional. Specifically honor, which we were talking about. Yeah. This. You've yeah. got to give everybody honor. And it's hard yeah. because people do wrong things. Now, here's what I will say. When I confront someone in sin, that's still honoring. That is honoring yeah, them absolutely. and absolutely. loving them. And I think yeah. that, I think what we hear when we say love, honor, we hear be nice. And I think there's a-, a I hate the word nice. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 we, and I think for, and I don't think our church is like this. At least I hope we're not like this. Is I, I think there's this reality like we want everyone to be nice to one another. Just be nice. Don't say anything mean. We want a Christian support club, which means you can do whatever you want, and I support you. Sure. In whatever decision you're making, and that is that is not loving. And so I think what the person is saying is like, how do I go from cheering you on and loving you in a traditional nice way to being confrontational in a way that says I'm calling out sin for what it is? And I think that. I think that's probably where they're going. Pastor Mo, what do you think about that? Like, when do you call someone out in sin and how do you do it in a loving way? 
Oh man, I think different answers for dependent on the person. Right. First question is, are they a believer or not? Right. If they're not a believer, I think of Paul when he says, who are we to judge those outside of the household of God? That's nice. So I think- That's you where you'd can. be nice. That's where you'd be nice. Okay. You don't affirm their sin and you call it out when you have the opportunity to. But I think once you've done it once, you've done your job, mm-hmm. personally for right. me. Yeah, you know, That's I, how I, I see that for those who are not Christians. If you are a Christian, you got steps. You go to them person to person. Then if they don't listen, you bring a brother with Matthew you. Matthew 18. And then you continue escalating it, bringing it in front of the whole church. Right. And the hope and all of that always is restoration. 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 Yeah. What about you, Jordan? When, when you hear this question about like, how do I confront somebody that is even hurting me? Because I think that's where this per- I'm close to this person. I don't want to be a doormat. Like, how do you shift from being nice to being loving to being honoring? Does that make sense? What do you think for you is, is that shift? What does that look like for you? I think for me, it's all based on relationship with the person. Like if someone's calling you out on sin and you don't even know them, like it's not going to hit as hard as someone who is your brother or sister and right. calling you out that you've had a long standing relationship right. with. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, the people who love you the most are going to be the ones who call you out the most right. as well. Um, they don't want to be people pleasing. Like you need to have those people in your life that are going to call you out right. and you have to be willing to receive that, which is probably the harder part mm-hmm. as well. Um, as far as not being a doormat, I think uh, it's just about being able to accept those things, those kind of rebukes or anything, but mm-hmm. also just, you have to trust, like you said, you know, trust God, you know, don't just be a doormat. Like God is going to work in any situation, um, regardless of the, how someone responds. And you just kind of have to trust that. Like if someone, if you call someone out on something and they stop talking to you or whatever, it's like, okay, but you know, God is still working on them, even if you're not communicating with them at that point. Yeah. And if we're talking about spouses, which is probably what you know, a lot of people go this direction. You've got to bring up the reality of like, it's okay to bring a third person in to even navigate some of spouse because that's two believers. If if a if a if a wife feels like her husband is not loving her in a way that Christ loves the church, then that's why she has the church. There is no the, the problem with marriage. There is no um uh like a, the clause of if you don't. Love me like Christ loves the church. I get to not obey you. I, I get to not do whatever. But the beauty is the church is the thing that is, is the organization, is the organism, is the, the body that's going to come in because there's, the, it enforce that, I guess, because there's no enforcement clause in your, in your marriage vows. It's like you say a whole bunch of stuff. I love you unless you, no one says that. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and even if you did, that's just, weird and not biblical. But so that's where the church comes in and helps. And that's what the church is supposed to do. And so if we can be, um, before people come to me and like, they just say, Hey, I'm getting divorced. It'd be great if, if you came to the church and come to your community group, shepherd came to bring friends in. This is why we do life with community. Because if you don't have community, you don't want anyone to bring in and say like, I need you to speak truth to me mm-hmm. because the way that I'm seeing this as I am loving uh, her, I am loving him in a way that's honoring, but uh, they're not perceiving in that way. And I need some insight on how, where I might be wrong here. And that, when you're able to do that, it, it changes the conversation from I'm being a doormat because probably in the one-on-one conversations, there's probably some stuff you need to own in that. Uh, but when you bring another party in, which is what the Bible calls us to do, it allows you to get perspective 
uh, which is probably most needed. Mm -hmm. All right, so hey, listen, we love questions. And so if you have any questions, go to pastorplack.com or text in at 737-231-0605. We would love to answer all your questions. Hey, Chris, so, I got one thing yeah, hit real it. quick. Uh, just based on that last question, a thing that came to my mind is, I don't know when this, when this person said, when is enough enough? Would you ever advocate for going no contact with someone? Well, if there's physical abuse, you, don't, you, you before you get to, this is where we, we does somebody come up and just straight, straight up punch somebody in the face? I mean, maybe. If they're doing that, you probably wouldn't have a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Usually, it's, it's going to escalate. And before it escalates for physical stuff, you want to sort of bring in the church. But if somebody hits you or hurts you or abuses you, then run to the church and be like, I need help. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I feel like this is like middle, the middle ages run to the church and go sanctuary. Mm -hmm. But like that, that's what you, that's the answer there is that you run to the church. And when people, when we've had women call us and say, I'm afraid right now. And elders showed up at the house at like 1130 at night. And then like, Oh, just kidding. It wasn't anything. And we're just like, <laughs> so like, it, like the, the church is ready to respond. It's just nobody asks. And maybe nobody thinks to ask. Mm -hmm. that, that might be, because I think in our culture, you don't want anybody in your business. Sure. But what Christ's church is supposed to be is in your business. 100%. Be, and I think that's the part where we struggle because we don't, we're afraid of what if they, and again, it goes back to you fear man more than you fear God. And so therefore uh, a glass house is not something you're wanting to live in. I totally get it. Um, in the world, that's totally stupid, but in Christ, that's totally safe. Can I also address the boundaries part of this mm -hmm. question yeah. really quick? I think sometimes there's some confusion when it comes to boundaries where people think they have to be really harsh and hardline, mm -hmm. and that's just not the case. You can honor someone while still having firm boundaries yeah. and you can you can put boundaries in place while being kind right. to someone. And right. like like a boundary is just saying like hey, I'm not comfortable with like you're pushing me too much. I'm not comfortable with how you're speaking to me right. or like I'm not comfortable with doing that. Like it's communicating what like like what you're willing and able to do. It's not about pushing someone out of your life. Right. And I think one of the things I, I like to do is I said I know you don't intend to come off this way. However, this is the way I received it. And I don't think that you intended that, but just so you know, I was hurt by that, blah, blah, blah. That goes miles because it takes the, um, it, it doesn't put the person on the defense. You, you, you hurt me. It goes off. I mean, the way I perceived this was, and usually the person goes, oh, I never meant to say something like that. Oh, I didn't even realize I was doing that. And then you give somebody an out as opposed to just hammer somebody and be like, you're an yeah. awful human being. And that never goes well. Right. All right, any other thoughts? No. All right, hey guys, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, see us at pastorpleck.com, pastorpleck.com. And so from our house to yours, have an awesome week of worship. Mm -hmm.